I'm Terry Taylor, and this is the Interior Design Business Academy podcast. As an interior designer, you may be thinking, I love what I do, but I am so overworked and underpaid. Let me tell you, I've been there too. I spent many years learning from my own mistakes and developing proven strategies and systems to make interior design a profitable career while keeping it fun and creative. So now I'm here to help you get paid what you're worth. If you're ready for some straight talk about how design business really works and you're ready to break through old belief systems that are holding you back and shift into beliefs that support your goals and bring lasting success, you are in the right place. You may already know that the fastest way to build your business is to focus your time on the tasks that pay you $150, $200 an hour, right? That's that's one of the reasons you got into this business, but I realize that you get totally caught up in all the other stuff it takes to run a design business. So what that means is the sooner that you can hire somebody to do things that are $30 an hour jobs, like bookkeeping or tracking purchase orders or fixing freight problems or setting up installation, CAD drafting, pricing product, um, finishing specification books. <laughs> I mean, there's a litany of stuff that needs to be done in a design business that doesn't actually pay you that big hourly rate. And the sooner the sooner you can get someone to be doing some that of that stuff, the better your business is going to be. Now, consider this. If you just worked one extra hour, one extra hour a week because you had some help, that $150, say, would pay for five hours of a bookkeeper or a CAD drafter or a, or a PO tracker, you know, all of that stuff, okay? But the point of that is that, that when you have that support person, you really are, are hiring a person who's actually good at doing that particular job. Okay. That kind of, that, that really enjoys doing it. That's better at it than you are. So I can do bookkeeping. Of, of course I can. I mean, I've been in this for years and years and years. Does it take me forever? Yeah, it does. And uh, I am, I, am I particularly accurate? Uh, no, actually not. I'm dyslexic, so it's a struggle. However, um, I always have a bookkeeper just because I do much better focusing my time on what I do really well and hiring people who are better than me at the things that I need done. So when you think about it, what would that do for your business? How would that change your life? Yeah, you know, makes sense. It works pretty well, right? But, but wait a minute, you know, I get a whole lot of pushback when I'm talking to designers about that. A whole lot of stuff comes up. You know, like, like, I've never been a manager before. I don't know how to delegate. I can't do this. I don't have that background. How am I going to, I want to go manage that. Well, what I need to be, be clear about here is managing people and delegating is a learned skill. We don't just arrive on earth and arrive in our design business with that as a background. It's something that has to be learned. And it's a, a learned skill, not particularly hard, but you need to know a few things in order to do it. Often, we are not very clear about what we really want, okay, what we really want done. And when we start looking at that, it starts to clarify a bit and be a little bit easier to see where it is this would happen and realizing that we could 
learn to ask for what we need in a way that would pull our business forward. Another piece that I run into all the time is the is this one. Is I'm not good at delegating. Oh, oh, I can't do that. I'm not good at that. I don't. I don't know how to do that. I can't. I feel weird when I ask people for things. I don't know if I'm asking too much. I'm not used to doing that. I'm used to doing things for people. On and on. I mean, this is this is a mindset kind of belief, right? That we can get stuck on. But it's you know something that you you you're gonna learn as you get into it. Okay, it's not like some people are born knowing how to delegate. That that doesn't happen. It's not. It's not true. It is a learned skill, and anybody can learn it. You just have to have the desire and somebody to practice on a little bit, right? So, uh, you know, another comment when I talk about this is that is is the one of frustration. Well, I could do it faster myself. Well, yeah, I know you could do it faster yourself. <laughs> That's true. You could. However, if you stay with that mindset, if you stay with that belief, then you will be doing it all by yourself forever. Okay. And if that's not your goal, that, that belief right there needs to shift a little bit. Um, because yes, you could do it faster, but you know, if you don't ever teach anybody how to do it, then you are in the hamster wheel forever. Now, by hamster wheel, I think of, you know, in the hamster cage, there's an exercise wheel so they can get on there and they run and run and run and run faster and faster. That's how I feel about doing these tasks that we can do and we can do them quickly. However, if we never teach or get somebody to write down what we taught <laughs> to do that, then forever we're going to be doing it and we're like the hamster on the exercise wheel. We run and run and run and go faster and faster and faster and faster, but we never get anywhere. And all that happens is we get exhausted and fall off and <laughs> fall to the bottom of the cage on our backs, right? Not where we want to be. So it it does take a little more time in the beginning to teach somebody how to do something. And it's really important when you teach your employee how to do it, that they write down the process, the steps that they use to get there. Because A, you don't want to teach them again, right? The idea is they don't come back and ask how to do it again. They've got it. And once they've got it in their notes, they could create a step-by-step -step plan that would turn into the SOP, the Standard Operating Procedure for that particular task so that anybody that you hired at any time could look that up and say, oh, that's how we do it. That's how we we check on the status of a purchase order. Um, that's how we set up an installation. Um, that's how we get a freight quote for a sofa coming from North Carolina. All right. There's all of these things that we do that are are, are fairly repeatable. Okay. That somebody else could do that we really could push off to the side. But we have to realize that, that it will take a little bit more time right in the beginning. But what you save on the other end and where it puts your business on the other side is huge. Really just amazing how that can change. Okay. So sometimes we get jaded about hiring and delegating because of a bad past experience, okay? And it it does happen to us. We want to look at 
um, a bad hire or a bad, you know, a bad, a bad hire. We'll just call that as an experience that we can learn from. Okay. It's not to say that, that you shouldn't hire somebody that because this happened, I will never hire anybody. I'm all alone. I'll always do this alone. Well, you're kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. You're kind of doing a 180 there. So on one side, you had somebody that wasn't vetted properly or something happened. And the other said, Oh, I'll never do that again. Well, the opposite. You know, the opposite of bad is still bad. Okay. <laughs> you know, the solution is in the middle, right? In the, in the center of all that. And the center of all of that is a little bit of what we call Groundhog Day, where we go back and take a look at, so what happened, how that worked out and what went wrong? What went right? First of all, what went wrong? And what will we do next time so that we don't have that wrong again? All right. So, so these experiences that seem so horrific are actually big learning experiences. You know, you have to, <laughs> sometimes you got to look at it as this didn't happen to me. This happened for me. Okay. So if it happened for me, what am I supposed to learn out of this? Okay. So there's a lot of situations that could, that could, you know, backfire. You, you know, somebody who, who said they could run QuickBooks and then you actually get them in there and they can't. Okay, so what are we going to do about that? Well, it doesn't mean that we'll never have a bookkeeper again. It means that we'll qualify our bookkeeper a little better. You know, maybe we'll want to see their certifications from Intuit on QuickBooks. And we may, perhaps we want to talk to somebody else that they worked for before. Okay, so you can, you can take these situations and, and create a learning out of them that are going to move you forward. Um, sometimes we've had rough experiences with employees where we, we kept them too long. We had a, we were booming. We had to add more people to get these jobs done. And now we're not booming anymore. And everybody knows that, that, you know, businesses go up and down. They rise and fall. They have a flow to them. And sometimes we hold on to people longer than we should because, well, we feel responsible for them or, you know, we, you know, Mostly we feel responsible for them and we hold on too long and they use up too much of our money, our, our back, you know, our little bit of savings that we're running our business on and we end up in a mess because we've been taking care of people. Well, there's a learning piece in that. Um, and what I've learned out of that is when I've had to let people go and it's, it's not ever fun, but it's, it's something that's just part of wearing the business owner's hat is that, that there's something to be learned from it and that those people, that um, I had to let go and moved on, moved into something else that's way better for them, okay? So it's not like I'm trashing their life, but perhaps I'm releasing them into something that's going to be better for them, okay? And what I, the hindsight, after all the anguish of having to let go of big staff several times because of up and downs, is that is to watch what happens to them and see how happy they are in other places doing, sometimes doing totally different things. Sometimes they're not even in design anymore. And they're really happy. So, you know, it's not up to me to decide what's right there, what's right for them. It, it's, it's what's right for the business and what has to happen. Sometimes we're the victim of knee-jerk hires. <laughs> knee-jerk hires are when you're busy and you're busy and you get into overwhelm and you got so much on your plate. You say, I've got to find somebody to help me. I just, I'm, I'm going to lose it if I don't, right? You've been there before. You know what this is. And then the next thing that happens is you hire the first warm body that shows up. 
Okay. Oh, you know what? I'll, she'll be all right. I'll teach her how to do this. And then six weeks in, you discover that this person is not at all what you need, isn't capable of doing what you need at all. And now you have to let them go and find a new one and train again. So now you're, you're three or four months behind and a lot of money back because, because of the knee jerk. Okay. So that's something we really want to watch out for is you need to always be hiring before you need somebody. If you wait till you're desperate, then desperation can cloud your judgment in terms of hiring. Okay. So we want to watch out for those knee jerk hires because they, they don't work. They just don't work out. A warm body is not what you need. You need somebody who can actually do what it is that you need done. Um, sometimes. We struggle with hires that don't work out because we've trained them too well. That <laughs> seems kind of weird, but, but I'm talking about, um, having a design assistant that you trained well, that actually learned the business, learned the business really well, learned pricing, learned presentation, learned how to, how to put all these deals together, um, could actually go out and sell a job here and there. And what happens? Well, they often decide that they want to go out on their own. And when they do, they take a couple clients with you. You go, ah, I'm never going to do that again. Well, maybe you don't, you don't have a design assistant that you teach the entire business to. Maybe you segregate that a little more so that you keep your position and you have somebody underneath you who's happy where they are instead of trying to be you. Can, you know, can happen. All of those, all of those things are in there, right? But if we look at those as learning experiences, of, you know, what can we take out of it? We're back to the groundhog day here, right? Where we're going to take a look at it and say, all right, this worked and this worked and this worked, but this didn't and this didn't. And what am I going to do about those particular areas? How am I going to tweak that so that it works for me? Okay. And that it works for the employee. They need to get what they want too. There is a win-win solution out of it. Okay. But if, if, but we need to look at it and learn from it and not flip over to the opposite or knee jerk hire or any, any of those things going on. All right. So, so what do we need to do about all this stuff? Okay. Um, we can, we can see that there's a lot of, uh, beliefs and, and negative reactions to that sort of thing. We need to be able to get through that. Okay. And realize that that particular belief is just a belief. It's not particularly the truth. It's just what we believe at the time. And we could shift that a little bit. So it supported us better. And once we do that, um, we want to start looking at what what could we do that would make delegating easier? What would make delegating efficient? What would make delegating useful to us and, and have a business that just clicks right along? Well, number one, when you're delegating, you need to be clear about what it is that you want. Okay? Very often, um, we give half orders or half kind of knee-jerk, back to the knee-jerk um, assignments of here, work on this, here, get this space plan done, here. We haven't given enough information about what it is that we actually want. We have in our head an idea of what we want, but we're usually not saying it, okay? So you want to be really, really um, clear about what it is you want. And when you're delegating, you want to consider what part of this task is repeatable, Right. We're going to say one of the things that I, that, that designers will say to me, and I, I know it's true because, you know, I did this for 35 years too, um, is that every job's different and everything's different every time and that sort of thing. Well, that's true. Clients are different. The jobs are different. The creativity is different, but the process that you get there is not. 
Okay, that is repeatable. So when you start looking at what you're asking for and put a question mark with how much of that is repeatable, okay, that's the part you want to teach and get written down so that that part's in place so that when you ask for this again, all you need to do is say, this is what I want and these are the special, the, the special things that are about this job, the little extra directions or things that has to go because that's what's going to smooth that out. Number two, you want to be really aware and be really, really clear about hiring or asking the right person, okay? The person who's capable of doing what you're asking, okay? The person who's better at it than you. I have a bookkeeper who's way better at bookkeeping than me, all right? <laughs> you know, always, you know, if you've got a CAD person who, who does your construction drawings, you want them to be way better than you are. Okay. Do the design and have them finish it. Right. There, there's, there's ways of, of using people that, that really support your business. But the idea of them being better at it than you is the concept I want you to really take in because Right in the beginning of our businesses, it's really, really easy to hire somebody, a warm body or somebody you know or somebody that's available and think, oh, well, I'll teach them. I'll just teach them. It takes a long time to teach somebody. And quite frankly, um, having somebody that's a jack of all trades means that they'll never be really good at anything. So, you know, what I learned out of my business was to stop hiring somebody because they were cheap and I thought I could teach them how and hire for what I needed and be willing to pay for it. And when I was willing to do that, I started increasing my business in leaps and bounds because whoever I hired was was top flight, okay? That their their production of what they did and their their part of the business was as good as the bar I set for my design. And that's a pretty high bar. Okay, so that we get everybody on the team working on that high bar. Okay, so so that's the concept of hiring someone who's better than you at what they're doing. Now, when you ask them to do something, you need to be very specific about what it is you want done. What's the outcome? What is the outcome of what you want done? Okay, what, you know, <laughs> what do you want it complete, finished? Do you want, you know, it's like a, like a space plan. You ask, you ask your assistant to draw a space plan for you. Um, do you want a final space plan? That's it. That's what you're going to present. Or do you want to see some options? Okay. With, with just here's all the different ways. Here's 12 different ways to do this. And you get to decide which one or which direction to go. Or are you asking for them to do the work and uh, present to you what they feel is the best option? I mean, those are all, th that's three different outcomes. Which outcome are you asking for? Because if you're not clear about that when you're delegating, uh, you know, then it's, then what you get back is not going to be what you have in your mind, what you think you're going to get back, all right? And, you know, there's a, this communication piece in here that gets, that's crooked, that, that doesn't do it. The other part that needs to be very specific when you're, when you're delegating is how long will it take? Right? How long are you willing to give? You know, what's the, what's the date you would like it done by? And can that person actually do that by that date? It's a good question to ask, right? And can you get the commitment from them to have it done by then? Okay. That's a whole nother piece there. 
You know, we talk about giving people things to do and then it doesn't come out and doesn't come out. You know, oftentimes what's happening is we have something for them to do and we assign it. And then along the next day, there's a little piece of this and we say, hey, I need this. And then two hours later, I need this. And an hour later, I need this and I need this. Um, priorities become important. What's more important to get that first one done that you needed by Friday or all this little stuff that you've thrown at me? Okay. So what we're, what we're, you know, alluding to there is that delegating takes a little bit of of thought and intention and planning behind it because because you, know, you have to be pretty conscious about where you're going and what it is that you're asking for. So finally, I'm going to say don't wait till you're desperate to hire and get some help because then you're more likely to knee-jerk and not choose the right person. Um, you're in more likely place to not have time to do good training, which doesn't get them off to a good start. I mean, if you start somebody well and you have a good training program and, and the expectations are clear, you're going to have good successes with them. But, you know, from a place of overwhelm and neediness, probably not, right? So, the, you know, the lesson there is to hire before you need somebody. I know that sounds um, a little hard or maybe... Um, challenging, but but it's a truth. It's absolutely a truth. Is if you wait till you're desperate, it's it's a much harder thing to do and much harder to get back under control. Okay, so this sort of thing, this is what I teach in structure program. It's what's coming up in the next motivator. It's a two day retreat. Uh, we do four of these in a year. This next one's all about team and delegating and building out that back end part um, because. Um, delegating and good hiring practice as, as it pertains to interior design businesses is what structure is all about. And, you know, there's a lot of business classes out there. You can, you can do them. I do them. I, you know, that's how I learned it. But, but what I teach is how that relates to how we do our businesses, how, what, what's important for us and how to structure those things. Because building that strong backroom team um, to back you up is so that you can work in your unique brilliance. And, you know, your, your brilliance is out, is in marketing. It's out talking to clients. It's building new relationships. It's developing concepts on jobs. It's, it's, you know, getting the direction of the job going. It's presenting the job and collecting the money, the actual selling of it. Okay. That's where your brilliance is. And that's where you need to be in order to be really successful in your business. Okay. That way, when you have a great team behind you that can back you up, that can take care of all this back end stuff, so you don't need to worry about it. Um, you've got the freedom of having plenty of income and lots of time to actually create the life that you love. And that's what I want for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Interior Design Business Podcast. If you love what you're learning, head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com and book a clarity call. This is the perfect way to chat with one of our coaches about where you are in your business and what your next best step needs to be to make your design business profitable and enjoyable. As always, you can head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com to check out the links and resources from this episode. So until next week, Design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth. <laughs>